Welcome to the Girl Power Alliance podcast, where you're going to meet and hear from some inspiring women with incredible stories who are leading in business and in faith. We are on a mission to impact the world by empowering women to dream bigger through kingdom-minded mentoring and leadership. This is where women grow. Welcome back, ladies, to the Girl Power Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Molly Trotter Gomez. I'm really excited for our guest today. Such a dynamic story, really talking about pursuing the impossible. So you definitely want to grab a pen and grab a paper because there's going to be some great revelations, great notes. I just really feel the Holy Spirit's going to be tugging on your heart with this one. And our guest today is none other than Judy Weber. She is a woman in business strategist, scaling expert, and the founder and host of the globally ranked Joyful Scaling Podcast. She's also the president and founder of Judy Weber Co., a boutique consulting consultancy, I should say, for women in business, Christian female CEOs to scale their business to multiple six and seven figures with simplicity using proven joyful scaling method. And as a former um, corporate and trial attorney, as well as a C-suite executive, um, Judy is a genius at showing entrepreneurs how to uplevel their mindset, step fully into their CEO role, and strategically transform their current business model into a freedom-based legacy business without compromising their values. She is a sought-after keynote speaker, teaching and inspiring women across the world to pursue the impossible, knowing that God is able to make your biggest dreams a reality. Judy, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Molly, thank you. I love what you're doing in your work. And I'm, I just recently found your podcast when we connected and I so enjoy it. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, I love everything that you had mentioned in your bio. It's so good. And there's such a rich story there. And I really want to start from the beginning because you had very humble beginnings and something that I think a lot of women can relate to because a lot of the times in our story, we feel like we're, we're alone. Like no one understands where we're at. And you have such an impactful story. So I'd love for you to take a minute and be able to share just where you have come from in your journey. And then we have a lot more to touch on after that. Yes. And my story, I'm 56. So this is kind of a long story. So I'll kind of make it brief. I'll start in the beginning. One of my first memories is my mom introducing me to Jesus. And I remember it was a Sunday night. My twin sister and I were sitting with my mom and maybe a brother or sister or two. I'm one of six uh, in the living room. And she said, girls, I want to tell you, you have a big brother. Now, I already had three. So then I looked around. I'm like, really, where is he? Why have we not met him? (laughs) And, you know, I think it's kind of funny, big brother instead of the Lord. But she was trying to explain to a child. And, you know, his name is Jesus. And he's awesome. I want to tell you about him. Because we didn't really start going to church until I was in like fifth grade. But I remember in that moment, Molly, like that was like a moment. I don't know if you ever experienced in life when important moments happen. It's like, it was almost like ah, the angel sang, like, like you can, you can feel like this is a moment that you will always remember. And that's what I have. And I remember even as a kid, like this amazing joy and excitement about this big brother, quote unquote. So yeah, we came from nothing. Um, one of six, we had one bathroom and we never fought. I didn't even know I was poor until I went to college. And then I looked around at what other people had. Some kids came with cars. And, you know, big diamond rings, you know, it was, it was just crazy. And I'm like, wow, my, my graduation gift from college or high school was the ability to go to college, you know, but it's funny just briefly about that as a kid, I had big dreams. 
Like I just felt like I was going to be a millionaire. I just felt like I was even more than the money going to be doing something big, something important. And I had no idea what that was. And so all my life, I was so blessed with my mom and dad pouring into me, you know, my twin sister and I in particular, you girls are amazing. You can do anything, Um, you know, sky's the limit. And I remember when I got older, like in middle school, I was so excited to go to college. And my mom was the one who was like, dude, we, I know you're smart. I know you should go, but I don't know how we're going to do it. And I never had a doubt. I was just like, I don't know either, mom. I don't care. I'm not worried about that. I'm going. And it all worked out, you know? And then anyway, I'm going to fast forward a bit. So I graduate college and I wanted to really go to law school, but of course, no money. Now I had undergrad loans. And more than that, I didn't think people like me were lawyers. Like I was, when I was raised, I was like, don't trust a man in a suit. Rich people are greedy. Rich people can't be trusted. All of that negative stuff. Uh, So that was like a big hurdle for me to even believe that I could maybe a girl like me, a poor girl who knew nobody, who knew nothing really. I was smart, but I had no connections to get to law school. Uh, But long story short, after college, I went for music education, no jobs on the East Coast, plenty in Cali. No, I'm an East Coast girl. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to go to Cali. So anyway, then I went into sales and ultimately selling for Dictaphone. And I'm wrapping up the story here. I That put me in front of lawyers. Like I was selling dictation equipment to lawyers. And I remember it was a Friday night. I was 25 years old. I'm walking out. It was my last appointment of the day. And I walk out and I'm mumbling to myself in the parking lot. That guy was an idiot. And I don't mean to be rude. This is what I was thinking. But I go, if that guy could pass the bar, so can I. I'm going to law school. I don't care what it costs. I don't care the hurdles. I'm going. And so I got into Villanova, had to take the LSAT twice. The first time wasn't good enough. Uh, But there I was. And then after that, the doors just opened wide. Got great jobs in prestigious Philadelphia area law firms. and, And so much more happened after that. So I'll take a pause. But I, when you say pursue the impossible, as I look back, my whole life, was having my eye on an impossible goal and getting that feeling that had to be from God that I know it's going to be tough, but this is what I have for you. Keep going, pursue it. That is so good. I could listen to your story all day. So I'm like, take the time. It is all great. (laughs) Lots of of bobs and weaves in there for sure. But it's good. It just really paints the imagery as far as like what you're doing and or what you have done and what you've gone through. And one of the one of the questions that really popped out to me is, you know, you obviously had big faith. Your mom said, I don't know how we're going to make this work. You said, I don't care, mom. We're going to do it. Do you remember in that moment just how you felt? Because big faith, having that deep faith, I feel like is something that a lot of people are like, what is that these days? Mm. Everything that's going on. Talk about that if you can remember and recall. I do. I do. And I can't even describe it other than a knowing. Like a deep knowing. Like I didn't even worry about it. And now when I think about it, it's really silly because how were my parents? I mean, my dad was a factory worker, sometimes working two and three jobs through the years. He told me the most he ever made in a year was $35,000 working his butt off, never being home. And, you know, my son, I'm going to segue here. My son, after one year of college, freshman year, he quit. Um, He went into crypto and made more than that in like two months. So it's, it's just amazing how the opportunities these days, you know, are there. If you have that faith, if you have God's nudging, 
And if you are brave enough and courageous enough, as God tells us 365 times in the Bible to trust and not fear, if you take the step forward and say, I'm going to do my part, God, and I'm going to trust that you're going to do your part. Now, sometimes things don't work out quite the way you expect, but when you have that expectation and that knowing, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, Because we can believe, it's so funny. When I was in my 30s, I taught Bible study. And so I forget exactly what the, what the scripture was, but it was about belief. And I remember tearing apart. What is belief? Like even the, even the devil believes in God. So faith has to be more than believing who Jesus Christ is. You have to believe in like the supernatural power. And I know I'm going afield here, but in my work, I've come to know whether I was a trial lawyer, whether I was in-house counsel whether I'm doing what I'm doing now in coaching women, that you have to be firm in your calling and confident, not in you, but in who God made you to be. That's the key. And so when you know who you are in Christ, then like the obstacles and the problems that arise in your life and in your business, it's like, no worries. It's going to work out. (laughs) Yes, it's so good. And it's not, you know, circumstances are going to happen. Things are going to happen to you like that. God's not going to say, I'm going to protect you from all horrible and bad things. Like things are going to happen. We're in a fallen world, but it's not letting those circumstances overcome you. It's the person you become through it and finding the joy, counting it all as joy, as scripture says, right. And really being able to be like, okay, Lord, how was this benefiting me? Or what is for me here? Rather than like, gosh, this is happening to me. No, this is happening for me. Where is it? And how can I partner with you and be at your feet even that much more in the trials to really be able to see like what you have for me here? Because it all will bring you closer to him if you let it, it can tear you apart or bring you closer. It's it's really you know up to you. But let's talk about you know the law school journey, which is obviously going to lead into what you're doing now. Because gosh, okay, you took the LSATs twice. Uh, my mom took the LSATs. She passed, you know. And I was like, I, when I remember as a kid watching her, I was like, wow, mom, like that is a lot of work. You know, she ended up not going through with that because she's like, I want to be home with the kids and this and that. So she gave up her dream for us. And that's a whole nother story. But I, I have seen just from her doing that, how like grueling that was to get through that. And now you've made it into law school. Talk about that journey a little bit, what you experienced, because that is, a, um, I don't know, from outsider looking in like kind of an intense industry. <laughs> well, let me just say that and I, I might get emotional here. The older I get, the more sentimental it seems. I've always kind of worn my heart on my sleeve and even more so now. But I remember feeling so incredibly blessed that I was there at Villanova. I was five years older than everybody else. There was five years between college and law school. So, um, and at Villanova, it's mainline Philly. So if you know that, that's the uppity rich area. So a lot of these kids just were there because mommy and daddy had a lot of money and it was, you know, they went there. And so there was a lot of, they they didn't seem as grateful for the opportunity for that seat as I was. So I was very serious minded. I wanted to graduate top of the class. Um, And so, but I remember sitting there and virtually every day I walked in, I would say certainly in the first year, I would just look and say, Jesus, thank you that I'm here. Like, thank you. I was just so grateful for that. Um, all right. So, so my first job, it was quite an eye-opening experience. I was in a prestigious, like the oldest firm in Delaware. See, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm a country girl, but I wasn't a city girl. We were like living in cow country. We weren't farmers, but we were 
we were in townies, but living in a countrified kind of area, like the best way I can describe it. So I didn't want to work in Philly. That was scary to me. But Wilmington, Delaware was a smaller town. So that's where I was. But anyway, so it was a very prestigious corporate. Delaware is the corporate hub. So it was very high level, high expectation. Women had to wear dresses. We couldn't wear pants, which I didn't like (laughs) because I thought that's just strange. But anyway, but I remember experiencing uh, just the crazy the craziness that you expect in firms, you know, there's movies about it. You know, they expect you to bust your butt, get in there early, stay late. It's all about the firm. Family can be sacrificed um, because it's all about the firm. And I remember being struck by, well, let me say this. My mom, who graduated from high school but didn't go anywhere else, and my dad only made it to sixth grade because he had to stop school to help support the family. And by the way, both my parents were born in houses with dirt floors. I kid you not. It's crazy. So with that, there was a there me a young arrogant twenty five year old something. Uh, I, I I thought when mom said this that she was ignorant. She goes, Judy, be careful now. Now that you graduated, it's a man's world. I laughed so hard, Molly. I said, Mom, it's nineteen ninety five. Come on. But in one day of working, I saw it. I saw the discrimination against women. Like we were second rate, especially in Delaware. Eventually I worked in Philly. It it was very, it was very, very surprising, you know, and then in the courtroom, even more so. Mm -hmm. And, but here's the thing real quickly in the, in the context of the firm, the female partners did not support the women because those female partners, 1995, I'm talking about, it was rare for a woman, even in that time, which wasn't that long ago, to be in the partnership seat. And so they did not have children until they made partner. So surprise, surprise, I got pregnant in my first year. So I was already blacklisted from the beginning. So it was very, it was very tough. I have so many war stories on trial. I won't bore you with those unless you want to hear them. But, but, but the point is, sometimes I saw stuff happening in the law that was disgusting, especially as a Christian. And so that was difficult at times for me to say, I'm not doing that. Uh, But here's the joyful part of it. When I would go into court, I was always a a very, I'm an extrovert. So I love to talk to people. So I'd be talking to the city people, whether it was Wilmington or Philly, I'd be walking, talking to the guy on the street. Hi, how you doing? Good morning. When I'm there for four or five days on trial, you know, looking like a lawyer with my briefcase, they were probably shocked, you know, oh, she's actually talking to me because most would just walk right by them. And then I would talk about Jesus. Sometimes when I had time, I'd talk and I'd say, hey, guys, how you doing? You know, what's new with you? And do you know Jesus? And it was the most amazing thing. And even in the courtroom and in the courthouse, I would always be talking about Jesus. Let me tell you something. Almost always the person I was talking to, and I'm talking about the, the staff, almost all of them were also Jesus followers. And they were like, wow. Many would say, we're going to have fun in heaven. Wow, I don't meet many, many Christian lawyers. You go, girl. And it was just, it was it was part of my ministry. I've always had that, like, as part of, I'm going to show Jesus to the world, and I'm going to lawyer different. Because my whole thing is, I was always an underdog. My goal, being a lawyer, is to help those who nobody cares about and to right wrongs. Gosh, it's so there's so many good lessons inside of that, too, because it's like, here you want to make a difference, right? And then you see what the world is giving you and you're like, wow, I had a similar experience when I was in the news. I was like, I'm going to tell people stories. I'm going to give the underdog a voice. I get in there. I'm like, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is very depressing. The pay is horrible. Like the, all the things, right? And so you just get that dose of reality of like, wow. And and God kind of highlights to you, 
This is how broken my people are. This is how warped their mind is. This is how the enemy has gotten and deceived so many, right? And it just causes you to be like, wow, like what? You know, you could either lose hope or you're like, we got to figure out a way that we can get in there. And so I love the fact that in that kind of a space as a lawyer, you got, you know, praises of like, yes, a Christian lawyer, that's amazing because obviously God needs his people everywhere. Marketplace ministry is such a thing because people, a lot of people either got burned by the church or will never go back or by people, whatever it might be, but because of who you are and how you stand out and how you're that light for Christ, you, you probably like were able to really change lives just by those street conversations. And I love that. Um, the minute that we connected first on Zoom, I just felt this like presence about you. I'm like, she has so much light inside of her. I'm like, she has to be on this podcast. And I would love to be able to kind of transition from what was it like to go from lawyer to now helping, uh, you know, women in business really be able to scale to six, seven figures, you know, having God be the center. What was that transition like for you? Why did you make it? What was that shift for? Excellent. Okay. So uh, I married, I remarried, um, got divorced, remarried. And uh, when we got married, this is 2015, my husband and I both lost our job. It was layoff and then layoff. And it was like, oh my gosh, Lord, what are you doing? You must be doing something big here. Well, he did, he was. And so an opportunity was my husband's elementary school friend reached out to Stu. He knew I was a lawyer and said, we're looking for general counsel. And uh, so he, he, so he connected me and this guy and long story short, I became his general counsel and I had never worked in house before. And it was a, it was like a $35 million company international. um, And we had places all over the U S Canada and, you know, other places of the world. And so it was like feet to the fire, learning something new. And I loved the work and, and I helped the sales team out and I helped the marketing team out and I helped, you know, the accounting. I was like HR. Oh, by the way, I was also HR director. So I was general counsel and HR director, you know, you know, um, anyway, it was just such an amazing experience, but the guy at the top, my husband's friend was an atheist and he was a male chauvinist, and it was very difficult to go to work. So real quick story, which which is the beginning of my out of leaving that after a couple of years. Um, We're sitting down having a strategy session, you know, with the CEO and the general counsel, which I still can't believe that was me. But um, he's like, okay, so so he asked me advice as a lawyer, but I'm a Christian. Jesus is in me. You can't take him out, right? And I would never want to. Hallelujah. So he's like, okay, so he asked me a question. I answer it. Then he goes, okay, Judy, okay, but take Jesus out of it. And I look at him and I smile and I say, Gary, I can't take him out. Like he is a part of every decision I make. He is a part of every breath I take. And I remember he was like blown away, you know? So, but, but I was also with the CFO and I know I I like to think that it was a nugget of, you know, something that's a seed that's going to be fuel for him. Anyway, long story short, I love the people I work with. Couldn't stand my boss. So one day I come home and I say, hon, to my husband, I've been thinking about going online and coaching women because of all my leadership uh, years, like you know, at this point, 25 years and, and dealing with tough situations. And I had, by the way, I didn't mention this. I've been an entrepreneur since 2003. My first business was an interior decorator and um, it, it, it evolved through the years as they do. But so I've been an entrepreneur for many, many years by then. So when I transitioned, it really wasn't as hard as I know it is for so many who didn't have that prior entrepreneurial experience. But coming to the online space was so different. Like, that's a whole different ball of wax. Um, Social media, you got all these gurus coming at you. You have these ads, you know, what do I do? Everybody's saying I need to do all these things. 
And so in the past two years, I got clarity from the Lord. I mean, I remember sitting with my notebook on the couch saying, Jesus, there's got to be a better way. I'm not going to figure it out. You're the master strategist. Tell me what it is. And that's when he gave me the joyful scaling method, three steps to scaling your business. I mean, it's just so simple and we complicate it. And I just came off of my mastermind ladies. I was telling you, I hosted them here this week and it blows their minds when I bring everything back to Christ. Your, your marketing is really your story, which is really God's story being delivered to your people, you know, through you as the vessel. So you've got to highlight who you are. You've got to go to God and say, who am I in you? And I want crystal clear clarity around your calling for my life. And when you take the time to sit with the Lord, I mean, he gives you everything you need. He promised he's going to equip you where he calls you. And so everything we do, whether it's marketing or sales or backend stuff or whatever, it's just so exciting. And they're like, wow, faith is the foundation of it all. It's so good. It's so good. And I love that you said, you know, <laughs> It's you have to show who you are. And a lot of people don't. And, you know, in my line of work, I've I've been there just of helping people be able to who are you and how do you want to showcase that online? Like that was my God brought me up with social media. That was my generation. I just happened to be good at it. And then people just were like, hey, how do I do what you're doing right now? And I'm like, well, it's a matter of being real, being bold and not trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not. And a lot of women fall into that, right? They're like, well, the world wants me to be like this. Or if I'm like this, I know people will accept it because this is what I see. But who's God calling you to be? And chances are it's going to, that circle is going to get a lot smaller. You're going to have people that care that you care about that may be like, you know what? I reject you. I don't want this. You're going to have things that are going to be difficult because the cost of following Jesus is high. And it talks about it in Luke, like it's no turning back. You're just turning forward and you have to plow and you have to keep pressing in. And it's so important for women um, like yourself to keep doing what you're doing. And that's why it's such an inspiring story to hear where, you, where you've come from and how you've been in this place and thriving in this place. Now helping women see, look, like pull the veil back. Like this is what God is calling you to do. And the cost is going to be high, but the rewards are going to be there as well. The, the inheritance that God has already planned for you. Like, think about that. Like a lot of people will settle for far less and you're over here just like, no, like you are a daughter of the King. The authority that you have in Jesus Christ is so rich and so strong, but we let the enemy come in and be like, nope, like this is how I'm going to deceive you this way. Or have you looked this other direction or look back because of whatever. And, you know, over the last two years, a lot of people have been deceived and like questioning things and not sure where to go. Right. There's been a lot of noise. But even more so with the, the, if you notice the louder things get for all the ladies that are listening, the louder things get, the more you should be in the word at the feet of the father and really being like, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And what if he scraps the plan? What if he says, crumples up the paper and he's like, we're starting over, you know, we're going to, we're going to go this direction. Are you going to be obedient and follow that no matter where that leads? Because he always has your best interests in mind. And so that's why I love what you do, Judy, is that. First of all, simplicity, music to my ears. We 1000% overcomplicate things. We just fire hose and we're like, boom. And you see that online. You see that on the news. You see that from all these really loud voices. And I know social media can be used for good because, hey, that's how we connected. That's wow. how Girl Power Alliance became to be because I got connected with my business partners um, through Facebook. That's how a lot of my connections come about is because I want to use it for a good tool. But the enemy also uses it for distraction and deception if you let him. And you really got to be cognizant of how are you utilizing these great techno technological advancements. Take your son, for example, Judy, you said, 
he dropped out of college first year, got into crypto, made more there, you know, in a couple months and people make in a year. And I have friends that do the same thing, you know, because he took that opportunity, said, what can I do to work smarter, not harder, right? So I'm just kind of highlighting these different pieces that you're saying because they're so important. There's so much good stuff in what you're saying that I want the ladies to really sink in and be like, look, there is something in you, your calling, your specific purpose as to why you're here, as to what God really needs you for to bring his kingdom to earth. And so I'd love for you to share whatever you'd like to share, because I know you don't want to give away all the secret sauce when it comes to what you do, but I love how you have God at the center because that's what GPA is all about. Bringing God back to the center so you can grow personally and professionally. You do that very similarly for women that are a little bit, you know, six, seven plus figures, right? Really wanting to get up to that higher level. You know, talk about maybe some of the biggest challenges that these women are facing to really be able to kind of resonate and connect and, you know, maybe some takeaways that women can have as we're wrapping this up here today. Okay, great. You said something about not settling, and I really want to land there for just a moment. There is a difference between being content and settling, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like, and you and I talked briefly before we hit the record button, there are money hangups that Christian women have generally across the board. Even those that have, have had a measure of success and they're at six or multi-six figures, even them, I have a client right now, she's at 500 she, and, I, and she kind of she wants to get to a million. And I say that because it scares her. She's like, is it okay to have these big goals? You know, and and I, I I just think, you know, too many of us have been misquoted scripture that it's the love of money, or rather that money is the root of all evil, but it's not money per se. It's just a tool. It's just a piece of paper, really. It's the love of money, putting money as an idol, which is, it absolutely is the root of all evil. Just look at our world today and in our country and, you know, all around, right? But you know, we are to be content where we are, but that doesn't mean we should be complacent. And I always bring in the parable of the talents. You know, what did God, what did the master who was, who is God, right? What did the master say to the person that buried the talent? You know, you slothful, I forget exactly what he said, but it was an ugly, ugly word. I mean, God was not happy with that person. So Mm -hmm. if you've been giving this gift, like what I think about what would have happened to me if I never would have pursued this scary thing of online entrepreneurship, Mm. I wouldn't have helped hundreds of women. My podcast wouldn't exist. I mean, I'm turning, I'm changing lives because I had the guts, but the guts didn't come from inside me. It was supernatural guts. It's courage looking at Christ to say, Hey Lord, I don't really know this. I'm not interested in like pointing and crap on, on, you know, on social media. That is not me. And so I tell my ladies, you don't like social? Great. You are relationship, um, your relationship master innately by God's hand. So you can have a beautiful referral business. And by the way, uh, talking about key takeaways, I really want to mention this. There are two types of businesses to build, in my estimation. Build the empire with tons of overhead and a team of, you know, dozens or maybe hundreds of people right? That's one, build the empire. Or what I like is build the boutique style business. What I call, you know, a sophisticatedly simple business where you have a lean and mean team. You've got one signature offer. It's a premium offer because it's, it, it highlights your expertise. You go deep with your clients. You know, I have one client now, she, she has a goal to make a half million bucks and she's got a hundred thousand dollar package. She needs five clients a year. And that blows her mind when I 
talked with her and kind of looked at what she was doing. She had so many offers and, and it was like, you're running yourself rampant. And you know what she said? She had an aha moment, Molly. She said, this is exactly why I ran from my corporate job. Mm. Something more streamlined. And wow, Judy, it was right in front of me and I didn't see it. So pursue those dreams. God gave you such gifts and talents and that guts. If, if, if you have a desire and I've never worked with a woman. I've never met a woman who said money was the driver. It's always helping people. See, the more people you help and the better you are at what you do, the more money you're going to make. But that's the more money you can give. That's the more ways you can offer some pro bono once in a while and, and still be able to have a really great business and a really great life. So there's a couple of takeaways um, within the context of the parable of the talents. Don't be the one to keep your beautiful gifts, the gifts that God intended for you to give away, hidden. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And I, I there's, inside of that, I'm like trying to like gather my thoughts because I'm like, I have so many questions and so many things I want to touch on because every time I say, hey, one last thing to wrap up, I'm like, it's always an extra like five, 10 minutes because I'm like, oh, but that was so good. Like, I want to go in on that. It's that is, I love that you said, or sorry, that you mentioned that your client goes, is it okay that I do this? You know, they're asking for your permission because with women, it's like when you, when it comes to, at least this has been my experience. I've always like, I had, I asked the Lord since 2017, I said, Lord, I need a female mentor. I want a female mentor, like show one to me. I want to be guided and just doors kept closing. And I was like, what? No, this person's great. Door closed. He highlights, I don't want you to have this in your life. And I'm like, what? So I sought up some male mentorship and, you know, some of that was great, but then it's just, we're just so innately different. Like the giftings that men have and that women have are so different and inside of women that, that empathy, that love, the femininity, that drive and desire, like, you know, Proverbs 31, obviously we've, I mean, every, every Christian woman has gone over Proverbs 31, at least like a hundred times, right? When you really dive into what is it that she's doing and what it is that God has called us to do, um, it's so beautiful, but the world has snuffed out a lot of that. It's like, no, there's no room for love, no room for empathy. It's like, get in, make your money, self-made, do it for you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not how God wanted it to go. So back to your story of your client, I've had a lot of women that have said the same thing to me of like, is it okay that I do this? You know, or like, can I really ask for that amount for this sale? You know, am I worth asking that? Is my, my clients going to be able to get X, Y, and Z value? And I love that you come back and you're like, who does God say that you are? You know, what has God put inside of you? And I always love to say to women, at the end of the day, look at how you've, what you've gone through in your life. You're expensive. Like you are expensive. You didn't go through everything you just went through over the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, just because, you know, that is a lot of time, blood, sweat, tears, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of, a lot of things. And so when you package all that together to the woman that you have right now, because other women may be listening to this and be like $100,000 for a package. Oh my gosh. But obviously the transformation she's able to give is something that's very vast and big and things like that. And you're able to help women get to that level where you can really leverage yourself and be able to take what God's put inside of you and be able to package that to help other women grow in their journey. So to the women that are listening, it is possible. And Judy is very successful at it. She's amazing at what she does. And I'm so grateful that our paths crossed on social media because God is doing a new thing. He's bringing women together to really be able to collaborate, to really be able to help support each other because the time of competition is over. Amen. The only time you should look at competition is being like, you know, what? I'm cheering you on. I love it. And you look at yourself in the mirror being like, how can we get 1% better every day? 
Lord, how are we going to do this together? What do you need to highlight in me that I can just grow in rather than looking at Judy and being like, oh, I'm never going to be where Judy is. No more of that. We're done with that. (laughs) It's like, that's just what I hear. And that's what I love because you, you truly are embodying like, okay, Lord, like I can tell that God is so woven inside of your business. And like you mentioned, the ladies at your house for that mastermind were just so lit up being like, wow, God can be in the center but the world has done a heck of a job trying to edge him out for so long. And Mm -hmm. I feel like women are really feeling that stirring and that activation of like, no more of that. God's in everything, every moment of every day and every single thing that you do, including business and watch him work with you and on your behalf when you let him do what only he can do. And that's where I just get super excited. So um, I'll say it one more time. Any other comments? Because I know I said quite a few things and I like this to be back and forth before we, we wrap up today. Plus, you did say that you have an offer for the ladies that are listening. I'd love for you to share that too. Yes. Okay. One last comment is there's a lot of talk about kingdom-based or faith-based, but what I do and what how I live my life and now I've incorporated it into business because it only makes sense is faith-fueled. Like your faith needs to fuel everything and think about that so that, so that when you have to do that scary thing, whatever it is for you, some, for some going live and, or doing video might be scary or stepping on a stage or even starting your business. If sure, I have fear, but I love doing a scary thing every day. And so I don't rely on me. I don't, I don't have self-confidence. I have confidence in who I am in the Lord. And so that faith is the foundation of everything I do in business and in life. And so I encourage women listening to even go to God today, go with your Bible open, a notebook and a pen, a blank page and say, Lord, what does this mean to me? What, 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 what do you have to say to me about fueling my life? And maybe this desire to start a business to really make it happen. So I'll leave them with that. And for those that would love to take their business, they already have a business and they want to scale it to the next level. I have a 20 page ultimate scaling guide. Um, You can go to judyweber.co right there, judyweber.co. You will see that uh, toward the top and also toward the bottom. But, but what this is, is uh, four proven strategies that I use, that my clients use to take their business really to the next level. And I'm not talking about little leaps. I'm talking about huge leaps. And you know what it comes down to? It comes down to your brain. I think being a lawyer was the best prep for being an entrepreneur because I think and I strategize and everything I think, again, the foundation is Christ. So judyweber.co, grab that ultimate scaling guide. I take you through some questions to ask yourself to real that real get you to that next level. So well, Judy, I feel like we could just keep going back and forth. You say something and I'm like, ah, oh, and I'm like, you know what? We're just going to have to bring it <laughs> to another episode because we could just keep going back and forth. And um, I have a feeling this is not going to be the last time you hear or see Judy, not only for the podcast, but probably likely inside of the, um, gosh, our community. I just, there's so many options and, and just opportunities for women like yourself just to be able to pour in and you do such a great job at that. So thank you for everything that you do for women, for yourself, for the Lord and how you stand for him so firm because women are really gleaning off that belief and that mentorship that you bring that is so faith fueled. And I absolutely love it. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, ladies. I would love to connect with you uh, on social. I'm at Judy Weber Co. So uh, please say hello. I do my own DMs. I am a people person, so I will be the one to connect with you. So once again, Molly, thank you. It's been such a joy. Love it. All right, ladies, we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. It's January 2023. Can you believe it? 
And here we are. We're still going. We are moving forward with some amazing things inside of the Girl Power Alliance community, inside of our membership. The resources are absolutely unmatched. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're a crunchy girl, a businesswoman, a stay-at-home mom. If you are alive, <laughs> then you should be working to become the woman that God created you to be. And we absolutely celebrate that inside of our community. We're all growing together. We're doing some amazing things. Head over to girlpoweralliance.com. Become part of our community, our online community. Grow with us. We're here to help you, to move you along in progress. And guess what? Just by engaging in our community, you can become one of our ambassadors and you can earn while you are growing. You can get paid to grow. You can get paid to help other women grow. How does that sound to you? <laughs> this sounds almost too good to be true, but this is exactly what we are. In a world where everybody is stressed out about money, worried about how they're going to pay the rent, the mortgage, buy eggs... <laughs> Here inside of our community, we are not only providing amazing resources, we are providing a way for you to earn more. So check us out, girlpoweralliance.com. You can find us on all the social media platforms, and we are here to answer your questions and to help you walk into the most phenomenal year of your entire life. Girl Power Alliance, it's where women grow.